If you like to gamble, I tell you I'm your man. You win some, lose some, it's all the same to me. Hello and welcome to this special fan edition of the official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. Um, I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer of UK thrash band Acid Rain. You may know my podcast, uh, Talking Bollocks. There is a link in the description to this podcast, wherever you're listening to it, where my name is highlighted. Click there and you can go to all of my podcasts. Um, But on this podcast i am merely your host your guide the curator of the motorhead museum if you like and i really feel like that this time because quite a few of you um have uh, messaged me on social media after ep- episodes to say to say thanks to um say how good it was which honestly it's all been positive thank you so much and some of you sent messages saying oh you know this is how much i love motorhead or i've got this story about motorhead or you know i, I met them i did and so i've got a collection here of um people who reached out with what i thought were great stories that needed relaying to you guys but also it's your um opportunity whilst listening to this um if you've got any stories that uh, match up to one of some of the great ones coming up then do get in touch um i am tagged at talking bollocks on all of the instagram and all of the um twitter posts by Motorhead and Facebook I believe so if you want to message me just message me tell me your Motorhead story and if it is you know a standout then I will message you back and we'll get you on future fan editions of the Motorcast but this one is all about my first few guests um, and I'm going to start with uh, Mackenzie Fisher who is a a lovely lady who contacted me on Instagram and sent a picture of her daughter, Lemmy. Yep, that's right. So, let's hear the story of how Lemmy became Lemmy. Hello, Mackenzie. Hi. Hi. I've got to ask you, it's the same thing I ask everybody, what was your first experience of Motorhead? Uh, love me like a reptile. My husband, when I met him, we were hanging out and he's like, yeah, he had some tattoos of this like warthog looking thing. I was like, what is that? And he's like, oh, this is my favorite band Motorhead. And I had never heard of them, knew nothing about them. So I went and, you know, YouTubed a song and that was the first one that came up and I did not, I didn't like Motorhead. My first, my first experience was not, I was like, I don't, this is, I don't get this. So (laughs) fair enough. I mean, that must've been, um, so hang on. So you've got this warthog, you're seeing this, you're going, yeah, right. I've heard it. Now, how do you get from that place to calling your daughter Lemmy? I picked up a biography about Lemmy, actually. My husband had a book and I started reading it and I was like, I'm obsessed with this guy. And then I went back and listened to Motorhead. And after I learned about Lemmy and like who he was and his personality, I became obsessed and I love the music now. Oh man, that's, that's, that's amazing. And that (laughs) such, such an untypical Motorhead type journey as well. And you know what? We all know how much Lemmy loved to read. And the, uh-huh. fact, and the fact that you that you went on that journey and that was your process, 
I'm sure that would have given the great man a big, big, big smile. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, and it's kind of weird as well because you've, you know, you've, you've gone from, yeah, that's not for me. Um, what was it about the book? What was it about Lemmy himself that sort of drew you back to the music? I think he's just a very unique, like just seemed like he had a wonderful soul. Just, I, I don't know, just somebody that like, you know, you would really like to spend time with. Like he was a good person. Like, you know, he liked to party and get down, but ultimately he had a very good heart. Yeah. And, um, and who was it that suggested uh, Lemmy as your, your daughter's name? It started out as a joke. I was, I was dead set on naming her Violet. Like I was, that was the name. And we, you know, we're like, oh, it'd be funny to name her Lemmy. And then we, just one day it clicked. Like, I think that's what we're actually going to name her. My husband's like, are you serious? I was like, yep. So that, that's how her name came about. And my family was, all, both of our families were absolutely furious. Like, oh, br- oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. They're supposed to be. Yeah, you can't call our granddaughter Lemmy because it's not your. Yeah. It's, not, it's not your daughter. It's their granddaughter. Yep, and um, she was born at two pounds. So when we were in the NICU, the nurses would be like, "Where did you come up with the name NICU or Lemmy?" And we'd explain to them like, "Oh, have you heard of the band Motorhead?" And they would. The nurses that knew would go, "Oh, like, like look at us, you know, a little skeptical." And then the other nurses, they had no idea who Motorhead was, so. That's brilliant. Uh, that is absolutely brilliant. I yeah. mean, I, I, yeah, it, it, it must have been kind of weird, though, for the nurses that knew and the fact that it was your daughter as well. They must be like, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, trying to join the dots. OK, so Lemmy, you're, you're a Motorhead fan? Yeah, yeah. But you're aware this is a, your daughter. <laughs> yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to see what she thinks later down the road uh, we... <laughs> well, especially when especially when she you know for, she first gets to see a picture of lemmy and says like that's who you're named after and be like <laughs> mama <laughs> dada no 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 that's not dada no <laughs> that's absolutely crazy and and the as for the parents I mean the fact that I would imagine the fact that you went for a way out name Lemmy straight away that's going to cause ructions with some people then just chuck in it's Lemmy from Motorhead and stand back and watch it all you know catch light (laughs) yeah everybody always goes oh is it is it short for something like nope that's that's on her birth certificate Lemmy Brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Well, although yeah. although Lemmy could be short for, you know, let me go, let me in, let me out, whatever you like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it honestly, I think it did help because, you know, she had such a traumatic birth story and the odds were definitely stacked up against her. I do think her name gave her, you know, a little extra pizzazz to oh, <laughs> help us not... get through everything. Oh, so, I'm... well, I, I nearly said, oh, that's awesome. And then I realized I was saying that about your daughter being ill. Um, so, um, uh, yeah. So was she, was she, was she really sick? Was she lucky to pull through? What happened? Yeah, she was. Um, we found out that I was in kidney failure when I was 23 weeks pregnant and oh. they were thinking they were going to have to induce me then. And she, there's no way she would have made it, but through, you know, a lot of medicine and my doctors just observing me, I was able to 
keep her in till 31 weeks. And she was, you know, still born at two pounds. So if I would have been induced any earlier, she probably wouldn't have made it. So. Wow. And that's, and and you are, and you're, you're currently um, awaiting um, a kidney transplant, I understand. Yep. Yep. Uh, And and you're on the list and, uh, you know, how close are you? Do you know? No, (laughs) no idea. (laughs) Hopefully soon, but I mean, it, it could be worse, so. Well, I mean, it, it, it sounds incredible. And the fact that you're, um, that you're just soldiering on in, in, in true motorhead fashion um, <laughs> and, 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 and dealing with all this is wonderful. Um, and so does Lemmy, um, is Lemmy showing any kind of behavioral similarities with her namesake at all? Not yet, no. <laughs> uh, you, haven't, you haven't found her rooting around in the drinks cabinet for, for a bottle of JD <laughs> no. or something? Nope, no, none of that yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Uh, well, She's well, definitely a handful, though, man. She has a she has a little attitude. So, <laughs> I well, that's de- yeah, that has definitely come from the name, without a doubt, without a doubt. Yeah, she's gonna be she's gonna be the youngest kid. She's gonna have like tattoos in preschool, you know. <laughs> Born to lose. Uh, well, look, uh, uh, Mackenzie, I can't thank you um, enough for taking the time out to do this. It's been you know, it's been brilliant and. It's great to get the stories, the, the you know the famous stories about the famous events. But it's great to be able to personalise these these amazing stories as well. And uh, and I think you know everybody listening to this will be, you know, will be really hoping that you know yourself and 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 Lemmy and everybody you know has a long, rich and happy life and can and that Lemmy continues to annoy her grandparents, which <laughs> sounds like what she was put here to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. What a great story. What a great story and what a lovely lady. And um, I can't thank her enough for, uh, for sharing that story and, um, and uh, intimate details of, um, of, of her family as well, which was um, uh, quite a surprise, but re- really, really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Mackenzie. Um, and so on to our next um, fan story, uh, which was Brett Scarrett, who um, who reached out to me via Twitter and said, um, "Look, I've I, I'd love to uh, you know tell my motorhead story on the on the podcast sometimes if that would ever be um, you know ever be appropriate or if I'd ever get chance to that." And funnily enough, it was Brett's message that got me thinking. Hmm, there might be something in this. So, um, so thanks, Brett, for giving me the idea to, to do this. And uh, without further ado, here's Brett's story. Hello, Brett. Welcome to the Motorcast. Thank you, Howard, and thank you for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. Well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm going to get you know, the, the question that um, I always ask, um, you know, how did your... Uh, your love of Motorhead start. How you know? How were you first introduced to Motorhead? At a very early age, I think I was about twelve, thirteen. I went to see the Ace Up Your Sleeve tour in Oxford. Wow! So that so that was nineteen eighty, and I went with a friend of my mum's. Um, she took me, and obviously I was a young lad. And from there, Motorhead just spiralled out for me. Um, you know, go and see them, or every time they came to Oxford, especially in the new theatre. Um, I'm not quite sure, but I've been trying to find 
that I saw them in November 1980, and there's somewhere on their website they played for four, which I didn't go to. But it was definitely the ace that you saw in 1980. Wow, right. So, that, that is, it's, I mean, what age were you again? I think I would have been 13. Right, okay. So, so, you can, so you can imagine a 13-year-old lad. And the first gig I actually went to see was in 1978, which was Black Sabbath and Van Halen. Oh, <laughs> right. You're, you're, re you're really rubbing it in now, Brett. I do apologise, Howard. But no, I did, <laughs> I, I, as I say, um, a friend of my mum's, was, she was heavily into rock music. And, uh, I mean, you've got to imagine, I'm a 12, 13-year-old kid. I've got my little denim jacket. And you go and see, I went to this say, Sabbath and Van Halen. And then I went to see, like, Ian Gillen. But it was actually Motorhead. And obviously Saxon were the two bands that really took me into the, to the rock as it is now. So, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Do you think, so do you think that given the fact that you saw Motorhead when you were so young, um, you know, that, that kind of shaped your listening for the, you know, shaped your adult listening as well? Yeah, I mean, with, with Motorhead, what, you got, what people have to realise with Motorhead, and I've heard it on, on some of your other podcasts, is Motorhead were never a heavy metal band. I never looked at it as a heavy metal band. I saw them as a heavy rock band. Yeah. And so when you went to see Motorhead live, you came out, not only you couldn't hear for about three to four days, but you came out as a sense, even at that age, I knew there was something special about them. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, they, they came out, yeah, I mean, what I liked about Motorhead, even till the last time I saw them, is they never came out with any pyros, and they never came out with any silliness. You know, they just came out straight in your face, bang, and that was Motorhead. Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say, I would have imagined as well, given... 13 year old boy sees band on ace up your sleeve tour you must have there must have also been a part of you that's like how how is it possible for three guys to make such a lot of noise and, and yes it was a lot of noise because back then and again one of your previous uh, people on here said there was no you know they, they could turn the amps up and i think it was my mum and dad that were outside picking us up and they said to one of the bouncers, is that somebody's car? And he went, no, that's what's behind them four walls now. So there you go. It's a bit wow. more extra for it. So wow. that's how loud it was. Yeah. And, and, and the power. But maybe it's just me. Everybody looked after each other. You, is, you had all sorts there, as it's been mentioned many a time. You had your, your rockers, you know, your skinheads, your punks. Yeah. You had every sort of person in the venue. Yeah. And there was no stupidness. Everybody was there to see Motet. And and that is the I mean, that is the beauty of, of the heavier side of music. I do think I do think people tend to to gravitate. I mean, I, I remember, you know, back in the day when my band was first around, we used to get, you know, punks coming to our shows as a thrash metal band. But you never used to get any trouble because everybody is there for the same reason. Everyone's there for the band. So it kind of it, it kind of doesn't matter where you come from, but but the beauty of someone like Motorhead is, of course, the the ability to just being able to play on any bill, anywhere. That that was always my thing with Motorhead. 
um, and, it, and and obviously also I'm a, I'm a massive Saxon fan as well, is them two bands. Okay, everybody remembers Motorhead for Ace of Spades, the young ones. You know, people spring up the young ones, Ace of Spades. But you've got to look deeper into Motorhead. There's not just that one song. You know, there's oh, yeah. loads. There's, 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 well, we, we, we could have a show for about four hours and, and probably extra with, with the, you know, what, what other Motorhead fans think of Motorhead. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I just, it used to upset me when I used to see them down the bottom of a bill. When I'm not going to name other bands, but you know you had another band on, on, on who were above them, and I'm thinking, really, should they be there? No, they shouldn't. Okay, maybe favoritism, but I was again fortunate enough to see Motorhead played back and twice as well, where they did headline, which was 2001 and 2004. Brilliant. So I did see that. I did. Was, I was quite lucky to see that that tour. Which was amazing. The Wacken Festival, Motorhead, in front of you know eighty thousand fans, and as you know, the German rock fans absolutely of Motorhead, yeah. and it showed. It absolutely showed. I think they were on on. Um, they had. I think they headlined one night on the Saturday, and I think on the next time I saw them, they had. Um, there was like four bands on the bill, like Udo, Dirk, Schneider, but Motorhead headlined it. Now you could have said, "Well, Udo Udo Dirk Schneider is German. Why didn't he, Why didn't he headline it?" No, it was Motorhead, and it was what we wanted. Yeah, yeah. So, so I do get a little bit miffed when I used to see Motorhead on such a lower billing. Okay, the last time I saw Motorhead was possibly the Black Sabbath at Hyde Park, what about five six years ago? As you yeah. know, Lemmy looked in very poor health. Yeah. And even though they played for, what, 35, 40 minutes, I do apologise if I got that wrong, but they still put on a show. And you knew Lemmy then. We we didn't know at the time. I, I'm a motorhead banger. Obviously, Alan kept us in contact, was going on Alan Burridge. Um, but we didn't really know what was going on with Lemmy. We knew he wasn't very well. But, it, you know, because obviously there was gigs where he wasn't able to go up a hill and there was gigs where he wasn't able to do this and that. So we all had a sense that was not quite right yeah yeah well if there was any band if there was any band where you're going to be able to notice in the live performance um it was Motorhead because I mean the one thing everybody said is just how consistent they were oh yeah they were because I mean even for 35 minutes I mean um towards the end on some of the later tours that I noticed instead of doing 90 minutes they were doing 75 minutes but you still got 75 new 25 minutes of absolute pure, you know, hard in the face rock by Motet. Simple as that. Yes. Yeah. And um, and you um, you met Lemmy, Lemmy, didn't you, in in Germany? I did. I met Lemmy on December 13th at the Philips Hall in Düsseldorf, in Germany. I went to see Iron Maiden on the Friday night in London, and then myself and my friend we flew over to Germany. And basically, I know Nibs from Saxon. And we were invited over to Germany. It was actually Doro's show, Doro Pesch. Yeah. She was having a show where she was doing a three-hour show. So no. basically, we went over to Germany. And we got to Germany. And obviously, I'm not very good at speaking German. But my friend, his pen friend, was very good at speaking German. So we went to the office, as you do, to take your passes, buy your tickets. I thought it was tickets. 
I thought nibs to put tickets by. Suddenly found this German girl going absolutely crazy and them talking and talking. I'm thinking, what's going on? And they were AAA passive, so access for areas. Wow. Okay, you say, you say, wow, good. You know, that's brilliant. Yeah. So anyway, we get in. First of all, I'm starstruck. And first of all, funny enough, Udo Dirk Snyder walks past. And I'm like, oh, my Lord, it's Udo. And then <laughs> Mickey D walks past. And I'm like, oh. And I'm walking, I see Lemmy. And I went, hello, Lemmy. And he looks at me and he goes, you're not German. I said, no, Lemmy, I'm not. <laughs> Where are you from? And I said, I am from near Woodstock in Oxfordshire. He said, Woodstock? I went, yes, Lemmy, I am. He said, follow me. I said, pardon? He said, follow me. So he gets a bottle of, I'm not going to make this, he gets a bottle of Jack Daniels, we find a little seat, he cracks it open, he pours me one, and you know what Lemmy's, um, well, what you've yeah. been told about, about Lemmy's drinks. Yeah, half, um, a, but... half a pint of Jack Daniels, yeah. <laughs> well, well, put it this way, sir. If you if you if he owned the pub, I think he would be bankrupt. So anyway, yeah. he pours this, he pours me this drink, and he just says to me, "Tell me about Woodstock, please. Tell me about Blenheim Palace." Wow. And so I'm talking about Blenheim Palace, not about House Motorhead. You know, what's what's the band doing? What's this? It was all about Woodstock, and yeah. it was absolutely ah. Oh, I've got picture as well of. I met you know obviously I got a picture and obviously mobile phones weren't around then back in 2003 well they were but not probably as they are today um, and he was just and you've heard it millions of times and, and I, I can agree with, with most of the people on this on the podcast he was a genuine 100% genuine man yeah yeah I didn't badger him for anything he was, I think he actually sort of said to me afterwards, you know, it's nice to talk about anything but music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I, I, I get that as well. Well, the thing is, is also you, you were talking to him essentially about, you know, it started about music and musical history. And let's face it, mm. we know he was, we know he was, a, you know, an avid fan of history. So yeah. that, yeah, that, that sort of combination doesn't surprise me, but um that's that's, that's, it, what, that's incredible. That's what he wants, sorry, Howard. That's what he wants to know. He wants to know about the history of Woodstock, right? You know, because obviously, no, we're not going to say Lemmy's into Nazis. He's not. You know, he's not. No, it's just the way he likes to portray his history. So he was saying to me, "How far is it from Oxford? Um, was it easy to get to?" You know, he wanted to know the right. ins and outs, and obviously, and obviously, Churchill's buried just down the the next village to Woodstock. It's a place called Bladen. And he's buried there. Yeah. And so he you know he wanted to know the ins and outs of Blenheim Palace. Right. Right. And 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 for me, who's <laughs> not a tourist, I'm not died. I was kind of starstruck that he's asking me questions instead of me, as, as you know, you're asking me questions. But he was asking me questions again. And was that? I mean, bearing in mind you've got like half a pound, half a pint of Jack Daniels in your hand. <laughs> I mean, has there must be a there must be a kind of almost a surreal out of body experience going on there as well. I I sat there, I sat there. Now I'm trying to work out how old I would have been in 2003. And I, I we did eventually. I did sort of basically did turn around and we did talk 
about previous concerts. Like, obviously, because as I said, I, I, I managed to see Motorhead on the ace at the tour sleeve. I saw them on another perfect tour because it all came to the Apollo in Oxford. That, see, the new theatre in Oxford used to be where bands used to come. So when Motorhead used to tour, and obviously I, I went to London and places to see them at the end of the tours. But no, I... I, 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 to know how it hard because it was like I was talking to just a normal person, which let me is. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. I know he had, he had his hat on, you know, he had his black, you know, the man in black, as I call him, you know, a bit like Johnny Cash. Yeah. But he spoke to me like just a normal person. And because I was speaking to him back, I could have been a starstruck fan, you know, oh, can you sign this, Lemmy? Can you sign that? Can you da 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 da? But I didn't. I just found speaking to him, I've met other rock artists before, and I've literally, it's never been the same. Do you know what I'm saying, Harry? Yes, it's yeah. never been the same. Well, I think I think that, that difference is because, A, you were in a foreign country. Straight away, the first thing he said to you was, you're not German. Um, <laughs> but, but also that you clearly had knowledge of something that he was keen to be more knowledgeable about. And yeah, so straight, and so straight away, the dynamic of fan and member and band member is completely out the window because this is basically two guys, one who really wants to hear a lot of what the other one's got to say. So, in other words, it's it's like the tables have been turned. It is. It is. You know, it's, it is, it's, it is. you know, if if Lemmy was still around, I'd be ha I'd have him on the podcast about the you know the time you met Brett in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that famous, Howard. <laughs> I'm not that famous, sir. Um, yeah, so that, that's it. And it, it, it was, and obviously, I, you know, obviously the conversation just flowed and flowed. And then obviously, yeah. um, but he, he was absolutely just, and as I say, I was with him, I'm not sure, about half an hour, 40 minutes. Got up, had a picture taken, and he shook my hand. And he, his words were, thank you very much. And, you know, that is, well, I'm talking to you about it like it's like it only yeah. happened yesterday. That's awesome. And, uh, and, I, and I tell this story to everybody that I know. And, 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 and it's not that I'm a big head, because I'm not. I'm just normal Brett. I just do it because of the love of Motehead and Lemmy and what he's done. And also, I think it's important, it's important for people to know that, um, you know, I mean, Lem. This is a word that gets kicked around all the time. Lemmy really was an icon, you know. He he, yes, re he yes. really really was, and he still is because that's the thing about icons. Um, and the fact that you can tell that story and it's just two blokes and one really wants to know what the other one thinks, and the fact mm. that he shakes your hand at the end and says thank you very much, that is just tells you all you need to know about the guy. You know, he's just an absolute gentleman. And, and to be honest, it really sounds like you made his afternoon. Well, the thing is, I've got three stepsons, and uh, you know that they're, they're into they're into rock. But obviously, they, they get their friends around, and, and, and then it's like, tell, tell them when you met Lemmy. Tell when you met Lemmy. And because I've, yeah. I've actually got a, I've actually got a tattoo with Lemmy on it as well. Look, I, mate, mate, make the most of that because there's going to in a few years' time it'll be oh, don't get it started. Dad'll wheel out his Lemmy story again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, it will be. The um... oh, well, hang on. The kids, need, the kids need to speak. Go and speak to your grandpa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like oh, they're too school, too cool for school now. Well, look, Brett. On behalf of you know, on behalf of everyone listening, thank you for sharing that. 
that brilliant story is very cool thank you Howard it is absolutely my pleasure and thank you sir for allowing me to do this not a problem thank you Howard no thank you Brett thank you for sharing your story of um, of Woodstock and more just uh, just hanging out with Lemmy having a chat about stuff that's just very very cool indeed um, and I'm sure you all I, I haven't said it yet have I I'm sure you all enjoyed listening to that as much as I did doing it um, now finally we have um, uh, two guests who I had to get on we we really batted dates around and all sorts but we we finally managed to get this conversation recorded and this one is with Wade Brooks and Trace Rayfield now um, Wade and Trace are full-on old-school masters of the art of meeting bands and they managed to meet Motorhead when they were a mere support band in the US. Um, not very well known at all. And this is the story of how they managed to well get backstage, get front row, meet the band. And by the sounds of it, just have a really, really unique and great experience. Here's Wade and Trace. So welcome to the Motorcast, Trace and Wade. Thank you, Alan. Hello. Hello. Glad Hello. So, um, look, guys, I'm. you know what question's coming. I'm going to go to you first, uh, Wade, and then same question to Trace. How did you first discover Motorhead? I think it's very important that all of us headbangers that were isolated from the big scene of the new wave of British heavy metal going on uh, received sounds at our local used record stores. And you couldn't go without a, uh, a publication on uh, of sounds without seeing Motorhead, and that's and then we just bought the records from the record stores. I mean, I remember I remember sounds very well. That was a, that was a that was a really good top quality music paper. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, sounds was uh, was one of the ways um, when we would go through into the record stores. We would look through the import bins in the record stores, and of course, you're looking for those dynamic covers to jump out at you. Looking when you're looking for new bands, and of course, we discovered Overkill was the first album that we found. And of course, that cover jumps out at you. You look at the pictures on the back, and you're like, "This, this is it." You know, you got to buy that, take it home, and listen to it. And uh, that was really our, our uh, original discovery of Motorhead. And then we went back and, and discovered that. You know, they already had other albums out, and then Bomber was was out shortly thereafter, and uh, that's that's really how we got introduced to them was through the uh, import bins and the and the record stores. So, um, so over the years, um, uh, a, a, motor, a Motorhead, a band that have you know the, the two of you, you, you know what it's like when when there's when there's clo- close friends, you kind of have like a um, a band that you both always go and see. From me and my best mate, it was, it was Slayer. We always used to go and see Slayer whenever they were in town. Was Motorhead that band for you guys? Well, no. Howard, that predates them coming to the United States. So we were obviously here in the United States. We didn't have any of the the bands at that point. I mean, the best we could see was ACDC, Judas Priest, UFO. Yeah, so the new wave of British heavy metal bands like Maiden and Saxon and Motorhead had yet to come to the United States. 
So no, we we did not have that luxury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I get you. I kind of I kind of meant later in the later in the year uh, in the years, but that's cool. Uh, ultimately, um, you've both had some pretty incredible experiences with Motorhead and their shows, haven't you? Oh yeah, definitely. And just to follow up on that previous question, Howard, yeah, we we did go to a lot of concerts together. You know, unfortunately, it wasn't. You know, Motorhead wasn't a part of that in the early days, but, you know, we started going to concerts in 76, 77. And uh, so we were, you know, somewhat veterans by the time Ace of Spades came out. But um, it was that Ace of Spades tour that was initially where we uh, were introduced firsthand uh, to Motorhead Live. And, and I'm guessing that that is something that is etched in your memory forever. Oh, yeah. We were the most guest of honor of any like the the, the work for the queen trace is <laughs> going to tell you a little bit about our story of meeting motorhead on the ozzy tour and how they treated us that's awesome yeah please do trace yeah well what we had started doing by this time was um you know we were buying the records and everything but what we wanted to do is we started meeting some of the bands and what we do is we take our record collections for each band and we would you know get autographs and a lot of times that would lead to uh interesting conversations and kind of break the ice with the bands when they would see um the different materials different albums and singles and stuff like that we brought to get autographs so in any event with um with motorhead it was announced that they were going to be opening for ozzy on his initial blizzard of oz tour which you know that was a that was a real deal for us we had just got ace of spades probably about you know four or five six months prior to that and basically they were locked in as our favorite band at that point in time so we were going to do whatever we had to do to um see them and meet them whatever we could do and and in the in the united states particularly in our city in st louis all the concerts were were reserved seats so in order to get those good tickets you had to get there early you had then sometimes spend the night the night before to be there in line when they started selling tickets the next morning, which I know sounds crazy to a lot of you know places that do more of the uh, bullpen type general admission seating. But anyway, I got selected to uh, spend the night for the uh, Motorhead Aussie tickets and um, got there real early. And we ended up getting first row center for the uh for the show and this was in a sports a sports arena so this this place held you know 10 15,000 seats so it's quite a quite a large place so in order to get those good tickets you had to be there early and you had to um be there ready to jump on them so that's really what started that and then when we when it came time for the uh the day of the show what we would do is a lot of times it sounds crazy to people, but we would drive around to some of the hotels looking for tour buses. And that way we would, we would know where the uh, bands were staying so we could meet them and get, get autographs and stuff. So we located a uh, motorhead hotel, downtown St. Louis, nice uh, riverfront hotel. And we, we determined that was their tour bus. We went in, and this is a very posh hotel. We go in, we're sitting in the lobby. It got all our stuff in there, albums, and um, just waiting waiting to see what happens. Well, in the distance, we see three uh, characters emerging 
climbing their way up to the hotel entrance. And we look closer, and it's Lemmy, Phil, and uh, Eddie coming from the, um, we have what we call the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. If you've ever seen any pictures of downtown St. Louis, it's a 680-foot uh, structure that you can ride up the leg of, and there's a uh, observation deck at the top of it. Well, they had all gone, the band had all gone and uh, rode up into the arch, and they were walking their way back to the uh, to the hotel. So we laughed because you can imagine these guys in line there, you know, this is all tourists and everything coming to this thing. They're in line, and, and they're all in their motorhead attire. I mean, they're not, you know, they don't change into their um, summer shorts and uh, polo shirts, you know. <laughs> yeah. So they come, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're all in their, uh, their usual gear. They come walking in, and, um, of course, we meet them right away, and they come over to our, we have our albums and stuff set out on the table. And um, the lobby, the lobby of the hotel spread out. Wow. You've pretty much by now, I'd imagine you've kind of impressed the band with your organization. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it, Howard. They, we, they were sitting on three of those guys were sitting on a sofa and me and Trace were on another table, uh, two chairs opposite the center table that they had there. And then they just start begin saying all these records. It was just mind boggling. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Um, so where? So how did that? Obviously, you've sat there. Do you got everything signed? Well, well, then that's where it picks up. That's where we leave for the uh, the venue from here, and they they sneak us in the back door to the Aussie uh, to their dressing room, and we had to squeeze in between them. Uh, just to get in because we had no passes. So we're like knees squeezed between me and Trace, between Lemmy and Phil and everybody to get in. And we had scoot into the dressing room and Trace will pick it up. Can I I just say before you you do, Trace, that is like not only have you stayed up, you know, uh, all night and queued and got these brilliant front row tickets, but you've now met the band in the hotel and now the band is sneaking you in to to the dressing room. So you've you've made quite an impression, clearly. This is, yeah, you can say etched in our mind. Yeah, I mean, this this, this was one for the books. Yeah. But um, anyway, when we're, after they signed everything in the hotel, they're like, well, why don't you guys follow us? We're going to go pack our gear. We're going to head to the venue to do our sound check. Why don't you guys follow us down there? So we're just looking at each other like, uh, okay, yeah, I think so. We can do that. <laughs> so as they go to get their stuff and they pack up, we actually followed their tour bus to the venue. And we parked, and that's how we ended up. They, they basically smuggled us in backstage with them i mean they're you know they've got all their passes and everything so we just kind of were in between them like who's going to stop motorhead you know yeah and um yeah it was it was brilliant and then eddie kind of took us under his wing because they were a little bit worried because of uh, being on ozzy's tour sharon osborne was in charge and they were they didn't want any snafus so he said you know he put us in the, the dressing room he says stay in here until we can get you guys passes because if, if any of uh, Ozzy's crew stumbles upon you guys and wonder what's going on, it could be trouble. Mm-hmm. So that was our uh, introduction to, uh, to to that situation. And, yeah, um, and then the best, the best part to continue here is the time we spend in this dumpy uh, arena's uh, dressing room with them. Uh, the 
band and everybody was waiting, waiting to go do their sound check. And Howard is something that we have to always agree that the way you meet a band is find your tour bus and make sure you have plenty of good pot because there's always a, a band member that does not have weed because we're on the road. And not only that, um, Mick, the, the road manager, was a, like to smoke pot too. So Tracy's going to tell you a little story about getting Eddie high. Well, I, t- I tell you what, Wade, that is that is absolutely faultless logic. That is a that is absolutely spot on. You're you're absolutely right. Well, and Eddie was 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 pretty stone before we went on the stage with him for the sound check. So Trace will tell you about that. <laughs> yes. So we already, you know, we already brought some weed with us, obviously for the show anyway, you know, and um, of course we find ourselves backstage and they're, you know, we're drinking some beers with them and everything. And we're, by the way, you know, you guys want to smoke a little Colombian gold, you know, you got to realize in 1981 Colombian gold we had. So, uh, we pull that out, and of course, Eddie's you know first to raise his hand. He was right there, so we uh, sparked up a couple joints, and um, we were starting to get pretty high. And and Eddie looks at us, you know, as we're starting, to, uh, we're talking about doing the sound check, and he looks back and he goes, "If I mess up tonight, guy, I'm never going to talk to you guys again," you know, because he was getting pretty high. And we we laughed about it, and we looked back, and Eddie had a serious look on his face, so we thought, "Whoops, you know, we we." Might have, Got them a little bit too high here, you know. But then Trace will tell you about how we get, hey, Eddie says, you want to go watch our sound check? And then he marches out there. And then Howard, they let us go on stage. I was five feet from Lemmy headbanging with him during a sound check. How many fans have ever walked up on stage and been the guest of honor to be able to do that? And all be, all because you guys managed to track down the hotel they were staying at as well. I mean, it's 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 a feat of uh, ingenuity on your part. But it sounds like the band really took to you both. Yeah, I think so. And then you know, with with you know us partying with them back there and everything, they saw that you know, listen, whether we're Americans, English, whatever, we're all you know, we're all there for the same reason. And, uh, yeah, when they invited us to the sound check, we're thinking, okay, you know, we're going to tuck us away back on the wings back here and everything. They're like, no, come on, come on on stage, you know. We're in this empty sports arena, Howard, and we're on stage with uh, Motorhead doing the sound check. I mean, right there, just feet from them, pounding out the uh, these test numbers. And in between songs, we're pointing out to them where our seats were like, we're going to be right down there, so look for us tonight. And um, which, of course, they did, and... Uh, Eddie spotted us down there for sure, but it was uh, it was like no other scene. It was amazing. So so Eddie was Eddie was still speaking to you then when he spotted you in the crowd. Yeah, I think he started to uh, sober up a little bit once he once he plugged in, you know, and uh, got that volume going. It sounds like it, look. It sounds like an an amazing experience, and and I can hear in your voice, like you know, when you're talking about being on stage and, and, and being, you know, the guests of honour. It's it's something that really does, you know, it still still lives with you today, doesn't it? That's that's one hell of an experience. Well, Howard, the other thing is, is prior to that, me and Trace had the opportunity to spend two times with ACDC, and we were the guest of honours with them, with Bon Scott and Malcolm, and actually sat on the PA system side of the stage. So we know how 
some bands just are just so generous. These they're they're the headliners in their own countries, and they come here in the U.S. and they support, and they're nothing. And they see these fans and love them. Yeah, yeah, and and you'd perfected your routine of finding finding hotels as well. So um, you got to find a hotel and the tour bus, brother. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds sounds like you were uh, you managed to pull off this guest of honor thing um, quite quite a lot. Yeah, when you show up with all the imports and everything, I mean, with Motorhead, they only had the one uh, album out in the States. We had all the imports. We had 12-inch singles, EPs. They saw that we had done our research. I mean, we knew all about the band. So not only did we spend the money, but um, we're also very devoted fans. Yeah, that and that is that is a mark from, you know, back back in those days, it, you know, if you're going to another country and fans are turning up with stuff that you know is not released there... It, it genuinely makes an impression. I've been, you know, I've been lucky enough to be in that position myself a couple of times, and it really does make an impact. You're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, we've got photographs of Angus looking at all of our imports and stuff. Goes like, you've got this one, you got this one. Yes, it does. It makes it. It makes a difference. And uh, you know, one of the things back in the, the trace didn't mention that that not uh, accidentally, but you know, we also. Phil knew that I was going to England the next day and uh, for my new wave of British ML tour there as a fan and I was going to stay with his sister Helen. Well, so how how had that how had that worked out? Was that completely independent? You you were just able well, to sort of turn yeah, around to him and know, say, I mean, Look, we yeah, were, I'm we I'm staying with your s I'm staying with your sister tomorrow night. Well, it wasn't like it was that exact next night, but you know, Motorhead I had sent that letter in the sound saying all the bands that I liked looking for pen bangers so I could, uh, you know, communicate with them. And then I had all these people I could stay with. I got this flood of letters coming back. And I was, we were already members of the Motorhead Bangers that Helen was doing. And, you know, corresponding with Helen, I told her I was coming over. I mean, the most generous person I've ever met in my life. I mean, she says, I'll pick you up. We I uh, was in Blackpool. She picked me up with her friend, took drove me back to her her parents' house, and that evening watched her dad's home videos of Motorhead that he had done and she was running the fan club at that time, Motorhead Bangers. Sitting in their the family room watching videos with Helen, her mom and dad and Motorhead. It's just phenomenal. Yeah, that is that is pretty phenomenal, and I'm sure people listening to this will be thinking, "Wow, that's that's pretty incredible." And then that night we go back. She takes me back to her flat with her with her roommate. You know, I'm not used to having a cup of tea before I go to bed, so I declined that. I slept on the sofa. Next morning we went over to her dad's workshop, woodworking shop, where her office was. And her dad says, hey, would you like to help us with North American Motorhead Bangers? And I says, of course. And from from then on, I just processed all the orders for the Motorhead Bangers from American dollars. Once a month, I'd send a check over to Helen in pounds and went down to the local bank, processed all the T-shirt orders, the fan club stuff. She did all the correspondence. I didn't do anything. And um, it was just a major thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And how how long did that carry on for? How long were you doing that for? 
Well, I was running. I, I don't have an exact date on that, Howard. I wish I did, but I would put ads in Cream, Hit Parader, and Circus. <laughs> I did this all out of my pocket. I never got reimbursed. I never got a dime out of this. It was just a fan loyalty. The thing is, it's it's kind of you know very you know, in the modern age, people talk about you know fan engagement, you know, and things like that. But that's kind of you know a very very early form of it. You were com- you were just completely committed, and but you were also kind of part of the organization. And it would cost $35 just to talk to Mr. Taylor over the phone and Helen back in those days in the early 80s by long distance. And there was always an echo. So when I call over there, it's like, because not only was I not making money, I was losing money. But that's nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, it will stagger people listening to this who, you know, weren't around in those days. But um, I know, I mean, I was, you know, very much a... um, uh, the kind of fan who would always meet the bands who came round. So I, I, I kind of know where you're coming from. That you know, just that enthusiasm and that willingness to be involved, because you do feel like you're you're part of the band. Well, uh, we see these we see these meet and greets, uh, Howard, today because you know these these bands charge all this money. It's like we made our own meet and greets back then. And, and the amazing thing is, when these bands would come over to the United States on one of their earliest tours, they were not very popular. They were not big. They were not exposed yet. Yeah. Same with ACDC and, and Motorhead. I mean, nobody else was at Motorhead's hotel meeting them. Nobody else was lined up backstage. We had them to ourselves. That was a great part about it. So, you know, we uh, basically made our own meet and greet. And um, fortunately, they appreciated it and they took care of us. Uh, well, it certainly sounds like it. I mean, it sounds incredible. Did you, um, uh, you know, was this a one-off or did you did you meet no. them again over the years? Oh, no, 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 Howard. That's, that's the next phase of this. So Trace has got this part of the story. Cool. Well, yeah, basically what what happened, Howard, was when, when we left them at the, uh, at the end of the Aussie show there, we went outside with them and greeted them off on their tour bus and everything. And, and, you know, shaking Eddie's hand, we're thinking we got a friend for life here with Eddie. You know, we really, really made fast friends with him. Little did we know this would be the last time we would see him in Motorhead. Because, you know, fast forward a year later on the Iron Fist tour, we had a, we had a a big road trip planned where we were going to go to Cincinnati, Detroit, and Chicago and um, the last two shows being uh, uh, Motorhead headlining on the Iron Fist, and um, it was a week before is when Eddie left the band. So we got this the whole thing planned out. We find so we didn't know if we were going to have to cancel our trip and everything, but as it found out at the last minute, they had found a replacement, and everything was going ahead with the with the tour. But you know, of course, we were devastated that we you know we knew Eddie was going to be out of the band, but we thought well. Okay, we've got a soldier on, just like uh, Lemmy and Phil. And um, that's how we ended up in Detroit. And um, for Robbo's, uh, Brian Robertson's first show with Motorhead, we were there in Detroit. Wow. Just, just that... happenstance. Just happened to be the, um, that was the show we were going to go to. And um, so we saw a little bit of history right there. And we met met the band again, and of course, you know, you make friends with the road manager. We knew what what we had to do to to get our passes, and um, we we basically had our way with um, 
getting backstage and everything, but it was a little, they were a little more serious this time with this, you know, this was his first show with the band. So it was kind of a, a little bit of a quiet, you know, reception. They weren't uh, quite as enthusiastic because they knew this, this was going to be an important show that night. But nonetheless, we, Lemmy was, was still very cordial and he spent a lot of time with us, uh, both backstage and he was out playing video games in the lobby. So, you know, he's really worried about it. He's out playing video games, you know. But um, we had a nice nice sit down with him there. And uh, and we started talking about the Wendy, uh, Wendy O. Williams single because, you know, that, that was in the, in the works at the time, not knowing that that was part of the reason why, or maybe the main reason why Eddie was out of the band was he refused to participate with that, uh, with that single. He wouldn't record on it. And that was the, I think that was the beginning of the end with him and the band. But meanwhile, we had some interesting conversations. We asked him about uh, Wendy O, what it was like. Um, if he, well, uh, I, here, I'll know. say this. I asked Lemmy Point Blank Howard, did you do her? And he <laughs> says, I woke up wrapped, I re- I woke up wrapped in cellophane. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, we knew right then, uh, Wendy was pretty kinky, and uh, Lemmy didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> but, but, but that afternoon, Howard, though, for all the fans listening here, we uh, that sound check, we were just a few people in that place in Harpo's in Detroit where it was all rehearsal for Brian Robertson. Yeah. And he stared that whole night, he stared at Lemmy uh, for the gig just trying to learn his songs the whole time. The initial disappointment that Eddie was no longer in the band, but you you lucked out, didn't you, when you managed when you managed to find you know turn up at the Brian's first ever gig with Motorhead. Right, right. Exactly. And the next and the exactly. next night we went we went to Chicago, and uh, that's where I had offered my Chrome Bullet Belt to Lemmy because somebody had nicked his, and uh, he was wearing the old standard brass one. And then it was just, we were just, everybody had drank all these Beck beers, you know, the bottle of Beck beers back in this, like, gray coolers and stuff. And my ex-wife at the time saw Lemmy just shaking these around and and start drinking all these half-empties out of that cooler because there was no more beer. She says, no, those are other, other people's empties. She, he says, well, I'm just looking for cigarettes. And he just kept drinking <clears throat> everybody else's old empties. <laughs> Yeah, he said, I just want to make sure there's no cigarette butts in there before he guzzles yeah, them down. Yeah, no cigarette butts in there. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Was this the you know was this your you know the the last time that you uh, that you saw them? Um, you know where did you where did you go from here? How did the night carry on? Well, there was nothing really after that because uh, we headed back to St. Louis for that matter. Right. My final time of seeing Motorhead was. The last Lemmy's last, but twenty six days before he passed away. So ah oh, wow. So I, and and did did they did they play? Did they play a full set? Oh yeah, they, and he had the uh, oxygen thing blowing him. Uh, Saxon opened for him here in St. Louis at a nice venue. It was his twenty twenty six uh, last to the last date, not to his death. Right, right. Wow. 
Yeah, and what I wanted to do, Howard, was I um, I wanted to try and see Lemmy one last time. This was in uh, 2012 on the uh, Gigana Tour with uh, Megadeth and Motorhead were co-headlining. And um, I went to the same venue because I live in Chicago now, so I went to the Aragon Ballroom, which is where we last met Lemmy in 1982 on the Iron Fist Tour. And what I done is I printed out a bunch of 8x10 pictures, was hoping to meet with Lemmy and show him the pictures and, and share some stories and see if, you know, if he had any recollection of it. And But unfortunately, as far as I could get was uh, seeing Mickey D because he said Lemmy pretty much stays on the tour bus until the last minute and he come out and does the show. And his days of socializing and partying backstage were pretty much coming to a conclusion. Yeah, uh, but I did pass along. The, I did pass along those photos and uh, told Mickey D the story a little bit about the, the story, and he was gonna at least pass along to Lemmy. So hopefully he got those and did get a hear and realize this was the building. This was backstage right here where we uh, where we met them some uh, thirty years earlier. Wow, Wade Trace. Both of you, thank you so much. Great stories. I know people are going to have loved hearing these. Um, and look, you know, keep listening to the uh, to the Motorcast guys. And uh, look, thank you so much. Really do appreciate it. Thank, thank you, you very much. It was a lot of fun. You can say that again. It was a lot of fun. Really, really enjoyed chatting to uh, Wade and Trace there. Brilliant stories and brought back a lot of memories for me as well because uh, I'm of that era of you know trying to track band da- bands down to meet them and um, yeah really really enjoyed that and I enjoyed all of those interviews well you know I enjoy all of them but there was there's, there's definitely something different about yeah, these kind of anecdotes that just just find really inspiring and um, and as I said you know hit me up if you've got um, if you've got a, a, a a motorhead story that you want to get out there it would be great uh, we're going to be doing these we're going to be dropping these um fan episodes every once in a while they're you know they're not going to be uh, particularly regular we are just going to drop them in here and there um but it'd be great to hear from you all you can um you can find me at twitter at talking bollocks with and that's uh bollocks with a z on the end instead of an s and it's the same on facebook and instagram so this is the motorcast please subscribe if you haven't already subscribed there'll be a button somewhere on the device you're listening to this or the screen or somewhere and it'll say subscribe click that button you get a new episode every two weeks and please do let's build the motorcast motorhead army tell your friends tell people who are just in tell people who are just into podcasts who like listening to music podcasts then tell them about us and let's build this, get more followers, more listeners, and we'll bring you even more guests. So thanks to you all for listening, loving doing this, and I really hope you've enjoyed this first of what I hope will be um, uh, the first of many fan editions to come. It's been great talking to you as always. See you next time on the Motorcast. I don't show you greed. The only gun I need is the ace of spades. The ace of spades.